welcome back to the show, everybody. This is the Sandcast with Try and Travis. Today we have a special guest from my alma mater. Now, Fred, the fresh new coach at USC, <laughs> Dane Blanton. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, you guys. I've been uh, meaning to hopefully get on this show for a while, and yeah. You know, finally got the invite. You know what I mean? It's one thing. It's one thing if you try to get on and pick up the phone, but you kind of want to organically wait and get the get the, the call. And finally, I got the call, so yeah. we made it happen. We want to make sure we're good at it first right. before we bring on the big dog. Oh, you guys are plenty good. What are you at? Like 100, 120 shows. Like Somewhere that. in there. That's yeah. awesome. Been, Congrats on fun. that. Congrats. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you've been doing plenty. Normally, like, it's been funny. Our guests, it's like, well, you know, how's your off-season been? They're like, well, I sleep in, and I go to the gym, and then I take a nap, and then I sleep some more, and, and then it's bedtime, so I go back to bed. But you are probably the busiest guest we've had on in a pretty long time. Yeah. How, uh, how I remember those right days now? when I could sleep in and that <laughs> yeah. whole deal. And, you know, now I, I got a 22-month-old uh, son, my first kid, and that's keeping me busy. Got the the new head coaching job you know at, at USC that's about four months old yeah so that's been really busy and um but you know I was telling try before we began the show it's just it, it, when you're doing something that you love and it's fun it you just you're fired up to get up and get into mm-hmm. work and yeah it's just been it's been awesome it's yeah. been really great and it's not like coaching USC is a totally new deal for you but I'm sure a head coach is a totally different matter yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was the assistant for four years a volunteer assistant under on a collier and learned a lot uh of how the whole college system kind of runs and totally different experience though being the assistant to right. being the head coach because right. every every little detail the buck kind of stops with you so you can't be like, oh, well, what do you want to do? You know, it's like right. you're there and you got to just constantly be making decisions, which is a lot of fun, too. But right. it, it is a lot of responsibility. And um, you just want to create an awesome experience for yeah. the players, uh, get them a good education and hopefully get them some rings on their fingers. Yeah. You know, that's what it's all about. And mm-hmm. uh Having a blast so far. Yeah. For sure. Did, um, were, are any of the girls that are on the roster now, did you coach them before? Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, uh, Haley Hallgren, Sammy Slater, Joy Dennis, okay. um, Tina Gradina, who has qualified right. for the Olympics yeah. for Latvia, which is amazing. Wild, she's yeah. redshirting now this year, and she's got two two more years of eligibility. Incredible. Yeah, pretty crazy. She <laughs> came on and kind of took the whole national circuit by storm. Um, that first year playing with Abril Bustamante, who became an incredible player. Like you know? Abril could be an Olympian. Yeah, she exactly. She has all the talent that you could ask for. Exactly. And I actually just saw her on campus. First time I've seen her walking in a while, she had a torn labrum um, in her hip. She had hip, hip surgery. And so oh, she was running gosh. around in a scooter. And now she's up and healthy and getting strong again and she could take her career anywhere she want wants to go and to see the development of the athletes over those few yeah. years is is probably the coolest thing yeah yeah sure have you um so tina is is still red shirting because i know that she when i talked to her last year she's like yeah i'm gonna red shirt and try to qualify for the olympics but mm-hmm. me and try were talking about it that now that she's already qualified for the Olympics, we didn't know if she'd do just a couple months at USC. and then Yeah, you know, I think she thought about it and um, just what an incredible summer that she's had yeah. winning the European Championships and then winning that qualification event to lock, lock down the spot. Yeah. And wow, talk about stress relief, getting yeah. that, that yeah. assurance of being in there. Because I remember when Eric and I had our run for the Olympics in 2000, it was up to the very last swing you know uh-huh. everything counted yeah and to be able to lock it down before actually it's a, it's an interesting dynamic right because it's the we it'll ever be for her probably yeah and i don't know if it like i think we were able to win the olympics because we were groveling mm-hmm. right. for so long and we just became battle tested yeah, yeah, yeah. and but you know what there's no one way yeah and and that's kind of my coaching philosophy as well, because you get players that have been coached by you know, 10 different coaches when they get to Division One college level. Right. And so you don't want to break down everything and make it different. You kind of want to find that happy medium. And um, I'm always like, hey, if you don't believe in the philosophy, let me know. Let's find something that works for you. Right. Um, but a lot of times you're using, like, scientifically, if your platform's like this, you're probably not going to shank as many balls. But... Uh, you know you're kind of selling but yeah 
Tina is an incredible talent, crazy work ethic, and just amazing mental focus. Yeah. You know, there's some days, you know, practicing with her and where she's so locked in, she just doesn't want to talk, you know, just leave me alone. She's she's either focusing on working on something. She's a type of athlete. It's like a dream for a coach because you can tell her, hey, you got to do this and she's going to do it the next time and then not forget Right, right, right. And then later be like, Coach, you see that? You see that? Did it? Like, (laughs) I mean, it's like a dream because usually you're like, You got to do this, get outside again, or whatever. And she's the type of player who's like, Coach, you see that? Did it? You know, like working on it constantly. Yeah. So so you don't have the excuse of like, Oh, I didn't see that play. You better be looking every time. (laughs) So you're absolutely right. Keeps you on your toes. But. A dream, and a lot of the athletes, like I mentioned, that we've that I've gotten to work with even before as an assistant, are yeah. are, are great. We got some solid play, players, and yeah. uh, exciting, yeah, some exciting from, stuff. Like you mentioned, Haley Hogren, which mm-hmm. I think she's phenomenal. I think she was probably last year like the most improved player that I saw from the beginning to the end. Yeah, and then you got a big transfer coming in with uh, Haley Harward. That yeah, was a good get. Yeah, yeah, we just signed her last week. And you got Delaney Maple and Megan Kraft. Yeah, this guy does his homework right now. This is this my guy right here. This is pretty <laughs> solid right here. Yeah. The ground running. Yeah, we got the Norse twins. Yeah. Uh, Do you know, have you figured out or like even started experimenting with who's on what court? I know it's the yeah. fall season just ended, but everything was so new. Yeah, we mix it up quite a bit in the fall. We had four different competitions, so got got a lot of different looks and, and a lot of different combinations. But um, I have a good idea. I don't know if uh, you know when I'm going to reveal okay. it, but it, it that's kind of part of the deal. But the way Anna used to really do it, it was no, she was just like no secret. Like, right. I don't care. Like, if you know my lineup, like, Good let's luck. go. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Let's go. And I think we'll be in a position like that where you don't have to get real squirrely. Some some coaches, that's just the way they like to do right. it. They're like, try to mask someone for a while. So, but I'm pretty straight up. And, um, but we do have, if we're doing some mixing around, it's it's to figure out what's that best combo and who's got the best chemistry and who's going to work out, but, um, yeah, it's, we, you know, like I said, we got some really great players, very fortunate. And, you know, the way Anna left, which I thought was premature because she always told me probably 2021, Mm -hmm. 22, but when she retired and I heard about it in, I think it was June, it was like, well, you know, that's, that's (laughs) my dream job. I want to go after that. And, um, so it really accelerated the timeline and how there's that domino effect when someone makes a decision and, and I, you know, the stars aligned and fortunately I I got the gig because a a lot of people wanted that job. And, um, now that I'm in there and learning the ropes, it's, it's about excellence. I mean, I don't have to tell you, try, you know, mm-hmm. that the academic and athletic excellence oh, at yeah. USC is at a very high level, which I love because a ton of support and, um, it's, it's been awesome so far. Yeah. Dude, like, you're yeah. just like, you're, yeah. the enthusiasm is yeah. clear. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's fun it, to see. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and you know, I, I, I worked into the contract that they were okay with still doing the, uh, AVP, stuff mm-hmm. and the Amazon nice. stuff because the national championship is in the first week of May so it's up against um, Huntington, Huntington right. which I haven't been doing five years because the last five years I've been in Gulf Shores right. doing the national championship for as an assistant and then last year I got to broadcast it which ESPN did an incredible job with um, but that's the only tournament that kind of conflicts and then you're basically off for summer where you're doing most of your recruiting True, yeah. and but you're not practicing or anything like that you don't fire that up until school starts late august early right. september so i know when i stopped playing for a little while for 2 years there my like strategy to like keep my my mental game in it was to try to learn how to broadcast or just see if they'd allow me to be in the booth uh-huh. right because I got to watch all these top players and just watch a lot of volleyball. Is that kind of, obviously you love broadcasting, you've been doing it for a while, but is that kind of part of the strategy? Is like now you, you can go watch the top players in the U.S. and then bring all that info that you see there to yeah. see how the game has progressed and bring it back to your girls kind of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess by default in a right, sense, because right. you, know, you know when you get to the tail end of your career, which was 
say 2007, eight, you know, I started to, you see the writing on the wall, like, Hey, I want to do something different. I don't want to travel. And, you know, to be successful on the men's tour and the women as well, you want to be one of those top three teams. You got to be playing internationally as well Mm -hmm. as domestically. And it's a lot of work and a lot of travel. And it had been, gosh, close to 10 years of that constant travel. And I wanted to get into something new. And that's when I reached out, um, actually to Tom Fuhrer at the time. He was the executive producer of Fox Sports West. Uh And I remember I said, I just want to shadow. You know, I just want to somehow shadow some reporters, learn what's going on. And it probably took a year for me to get like a call back like that, where he's like, hey, why don't you come out and check out the high school football championships right here at the Home Depot Center or StubHub or I don't know what it's called. It keeps changing names. StubHub now, I think. Right, where the Galaxy plays. And they were having the high school football championships. I went, I shadowed, and then the next week they said, well, next year we need a sideline reporter for like Friday Night Lights or Friday Night Football. And it was a cool thing to do. And, you know, a lot of people say, how did you get involved? It's in broadcasting. I kind of... It was interesting taking a step back, too, because people think, like, oh, you know, you're Olympic gold medalist, you're all this, and then you're going to go and broadcast high school football, (laughs) right? right? And you kind of have to just kind of leave the ego on the side, and you want to learn a new trait. You're late to the game. So it was the greatest place because you could just totally mess up. And, you know, I was always told don't take an an A job when you're doing C or D work. Right. right. Yeah. Because you might only, exposed. yeah, and you only, you might only get one chance in <laughs> right. TV and mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, you know, not so good. But with the high school football, everyone was kind of new and we were all coming up. I used to work with, uh, Geeter, uh-huh. uh, and, um, Lindsay Rhodes, who's, uh, on the, uh, total access now mm-hmm. for NFL. And she was a host at halftime. Geeter was a host, as well, and it, it was, it, yeah, it was. It, I mean, we had like five five talent on a football right, yeah, deal. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. They put some crazy resources in it, and I just got a little better, a little better. And by the end of the year, they put me on some UCLA and USC mm-hmm. basketball games. And then I got some pre pre game like Angels and Dodgers pre and post game stuff, doing nice. interviews, yeah. and um, I wanted to kind of go away from volleyball because, you know, I knew I could be an analyst, right, right. but to kind of go a different direction. And then uh, I subbed in for someone. I remember I got the phone call one afternoon and it was like 11 o'clock in the morning and they said, are you free? Are you in LA? And I said, yeah, I'm here. And they're like, um, the sideline reporter for the Clippers is sick. Can you do a Clipper game? And and this was like 08, right? And I think it was 08 when the Celtics won the championships. Mm, right, yeah. And I said, who they playing? It was Boston. And, and I was like, I always, I always was told, like, say yes, even if you right. don't feel prepared. Yeah. That's the only way you stretch yourself. Mm-hmm. And I said yes. I remember I ran home. I think I got a newspaper read because I didn't have a clue what the right. Clippers were doing back then. <laughs> right. Got, like, a suit. Before I know it, like, 435, I'm at Staples interviewing, like, Mike Dunleavy, the head coach, and doing the thing. (laughs) And I remember I was about to go out and do this pregame hit, and I didn't know the story, really, but it's just kind of fake. And I found this room in the back and was trying to rehearse and practice. And then in the next room, which was just a curtain, dividing it, the, the girl who's doing the national anthem decided to start practicing, like, while you know right. so you're trying to focus and let's go sing in and and finally i was like i just got to go out it was like 7 15 for 7 30 tip off oh. and they threw it down to me and i rattled something off and i i've never seen the video to this day but <laughs> they called me back and so i did a couple games then and uh that year i did three or four games and then i kind of topped out i thought i was i need to get representation and i ended up getting represented by a guy named lon rosen who handled like Magic Johnson's career and now he was doing some broadcast uh, representation and once I signed with him I remember one day him calling and he said you know I got you 15 games for the Clippers I was like so fired up (laughs) hour later he's like I got you 20 (laughs) and then by the end of the day he had me on all the home games he's like he sold them on the fact that you know, the Lakers have continuity. Why are you guys always throwing a new reporter right. on? And he 
he got the whole thing. The next year, the Fox Sports West got the the whole package, eighty two games. So they were just doing the home games. Yeah. So when it was perfect timing, because then I was doing all eighty two. Right. I was wow. on the team playing. That's so, awesome. I, oh, I, you were. Yeah, I. I did that for five years wow. until, and that was a cool time too. That was like kind of the Lob City yeah. time with oh, yeah. DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, Griffin. and then I had um, two years of the Chris Paul kind of era. So nice. right around 2012, 13 is Must when. Have been a blast. Oh. I remember so seeing good. you down there. I was like, oh, yeah. that's a beach volleyball player. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of cool doing yeah. something different. And it was fun, you know, going to Staples every night. And, you know, you got to get your suit game kind of yeah, on point because sure. yeah, yeah. you're on TV every night. Yeah. But, yeah, traveling, you, you realize because you know how it is with the AVP and the FIVB and playing beach volleyball. It's, it's tough because it's, it's, like a, it's like a golfer tennis, mm. but we don't quite have the funds. Right. So, you know, you're not just jumping in first class because at the end of the day, it's kind of coming out of your pocket. Um, So you really got an idea of what a really top, yeah, really top (laughs) tier professional league like the NBA. You know, you're dealing with the big three, the NBA, the MLB or the NFL. It's just there's such revenue being generated that it makes sense. But. I remember the first time I got on the plane, and I, and I went. The whole plane's business, yeah, business oh, class. Right. Like they, say, it's like it's reconfigured. Yeah, oh, it's reconfigured. The, no, but the front are even bigger. Coaches. No, the front's <laughs> all players. Coaches oh. are kind of the back, and they they can face one another. They yeah, have those. So they the, can chat. Yeah, they can do meetings, watch film, <laughs> and then media and the, everybody else is kind of so in the, the back. Plane's customized for the team. Yeah, what they need, basically, like, yeah. there's a charter system, and I think Delta runs it, mm-hmm. and they have a whole fleet. So this plane that drops you off might take off and go pick up another team, take Whoa. them home. Someone's coordinating. Crazy. They probably have. But I remember the first time I got on south side of LAX, kind of private terminal. You get, um, I get on and in the back in the galley, it's just like sushi. It's like nice layout. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm guys. just killing it, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, is this must be the food, you know, for like the plane. Coming from beach volleyball. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm grinding. I'm feeling good. <laughs> get in. No announcements. They never, no one's telling you to bu- buckle up. Are right? you just, security? Yeah, you go through security, security the, okay. right before and tell them what you want to put under and what you want to put up top and... Like five minutes into the flight, the, you know, the flight attendant says, you know, what do you want to eat for lunch? And I'm like, <laughs> I've already killed it. all yeah. these, But this is just, I guess, appetizers. Right. And they're just constantly being fed. Jeez. And you land, you go to, you know, Four Seasons or the Ritz. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they're, they're living the good life. Yeah. And uh, it was a great experience. And now being back in volleyball, and I actually never, can't say back in volleyball, because I never really left it. I was just doing, because right. I could do the whole NBA season mm-hmm. and, and then do the AVP. It's like, yeah. it was a perfect oh, yeah. mix. The seasons didn't conflict at all. But doing what I do now for the AVP and the Amazon was incredible. I, I was doing everything for the major series right, yeah. with... Um, Hanish Jägerhofer, mm-hmm. but from Austria, but that seems to have kind of, you yeah. probably know the state of it now more. And I think they're going to still try to do Austria, Hamburg, and Stad, yes. is from what I was I told. I know the events are happening. I'm uh-huh. not sure if Majors and Red Bull are all on board with it. Got um, it. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, those events are happening. So, so when cool. I first signed with them to do the commentator, the World Feed, mm-hmm. they were at I want to say four events. That was when Croatia, yep. Stad, Austria, and Hamburg were happening, and they were projected to go to eight. I yeah, think they were whoa. talking about the Prague and the Czech Republic and, and Rome, and, and it just never never happened. Right. And Fort Lauderdale yep. was going for That's a while, true, yeah. and it was supposed to go to eight, and it just never worked out, and obviously that's... A show in itself, probably. Yeah. And who knows all the right. actual details, but right. it's a bummer because... I think that major series from on an international level gave us a taste of what it, it could be. Right. Because um, I don't know about you, but those, those are some of the best events oh, that yeah. we've ever played in. Yeah. 
in terms of top to bottom fan experience and VIP it, and, and, and it didn't happen that you know there was a pretty penny being oh, spent yeah. and that's probably why it was not sustainable yeah mm-hmm. so and you know that kind of leads you to the AVP it's so cool to see something that's on this trajectory yeah, yeah. and stable and the players have a platform mm-hmm. to do their thing yeah. so it's um it, I think what Donald Son has done is pretty incredible, especially yeah. when you look at where the sport was in 2011. <laughs> For yeah. you to even yeah. say the word sustainable, yeah. talking, talking about a beach volleyball <laughs> tour means yeah. that he's done a really good yeah. job. Yeah, he's <laughs> awesome. And I love how humble he is. Very, he's yeah. like the guy, he doesn't, you know, because I have to sometimes, or... as a sideline reporter with NBC, they want to hear about from the owner, you mm-hmm. know, the, right. the guy who's running things, and he's always kind of shies away yeah. so I leave him alone now yeah. you know I, I get it I get it yeah. but how cool though all right we're gonna pause here and take a quick second to acknowledge our lovely sponsors support for Sandcast from comes from a new sponsor Manscaped who is the best in men's below the belt grooming Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels which in beach volleyball this is a well-groomed sport you want to be looking good out there which is why our code for 20% off is look good play good and you also want Manscaped because everyone knows or probably knows a guy who has had a trouble uh, a troubling Manscaped story I had uh, a buddy in my fraternity who used scissors down there and it just doesn't work all that well all the time and that's why you have manscaped here to help you out it's redesigned the electric trimmer their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts you don't need that in your life trust me manscaping accents are finally a thing of the past try well and don't use the same trimmer on your faces you're using on your balls (laughs) that's just nasty Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You're already using deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not using deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Go ahead and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LOOKGOODPLAYGOOD at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job, ladies and gentlemen. Your balls will thank you. So that is 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code LOOKGOODPLAYGOOD today. Speaking of balls, Travis, Wilson just came out with a new ball. That's the new optics ball with the OPTX technology. It's definitely been my favorite ball since I was a kid. I used to play with Wilson back at the Outrigger Canoe Club, as everyone's heard many times over the podcast. And... uh Honestly, Wilson's the best ball in the world. If you talk to any of the athletes, the Americans, they all want to be playing with the Wilson. There's a reason that those are the balls you're seeing out on the beaches, whether it's California or Florida or somewhere in between. The Wilson ball is the go-to, and now there's a completely different look that is built to make you perform better, to see the ball better, but it's the same feel. So go to Wilson.com, get yourself a new ball, because if you don't have a new ball, then you know you're just... You're just that guy on the beach or girl. And use promo code WilsonSand to get your discount today. I'd like to take this moment to let all of you know about Firefly Recovery, something that I take on the road with me when I'm traveling. I usually use it on the plane because you know how your legs get all swollen when you're traveling across the world. Is a way for us to recover faster with increased blood flow. There's these knee straps and they have these nerve stimulators on them and Basically, it helps you recover, and you'll see a lot of beach volleyball players wearing them, and uh, you need to get yourself a pair today at fireflyrecovery.com. All right, everybody, now it's time for your Pacific Coast Wealth Management Olympic Update. It's been quite a grind in this 2019 season, and the season is finally over, so we are officially in the off-season. The top American team is Taylor Crabb and Jake Gibb, and they're in the eighth spot in the world. Triborn, yours truly. And Trevor Crabb are in the 10th spot. Meanwhile, Philip Dahlhauser and Nick Lucenter are in the 17th spot, still looking to fill two more finishes uh, to get there, 12. And then on the women's side, April Ross, as always, is in the second spot with Alex Kleinman. They've been dominating this year. But in the fifth spot, Carrie Walsh Jennings and Brooke Sweat. In the sixth spot, Sarah Sponsel and Kelly Clays. 
Yes, the American women are absolutely stacked. And in the seventh spot, Kelly Larson and Emily Stockman. It is going to be an insane qualification year in 2020. We're all looking forward to it. Hopefully, Born and Crab are there. Aloha. And now back to the show. Yeah, such cool, a, yeah, it's such a cool perspective too that you have. Like, not many people have that perspective. Like, most beach volleyball players have that perspective of our sport. And then we look at the NBA and all these mm-hmm. other sports. Like, whoa, like they're on another level. Yeah, but you kind of have experienced that, and obviously the revenue is there. But you've experienced like what the athletes are like and the coaching and yeah. the indivi- uh, the personalities of that sport. And now you're kind of coming back to our sport, and you can compare the two. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's it's a different breed of athlete because mm-hmm. a lot of those basketball players that that make it go along the system. You know, they play high school, they get into college. They're usually gonna be drafted before they're seniors, right, right? And so they go from being kids, eighteen to twenty, to multimillionaires very quickly. Yeah. yeah. And some handle it better than others, and a lot of times, you know, like they say, the money doesn't make you, but it does reveal right. your character even more right. so they skip a lot of the life lessons i feel yeah. like that we have yeah. to like grind through <laughs> yeah. or not we like every normal person on right earth. right <laughs> right and uh, you, yeah when you're there's not many professions that can pay as well as the nba right. that's for yeah, sure it's insane you go to one like i went to a vikings game in minnesota the other day and i saw that place like almost sold out i'm like damn this many fans are a regular season game yeah and we probably, this is all of our fans for an entire season throughout yeah. the whole world, including who's probably watching on TV. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Who knows how much? But it's pretty insane. It like, is. Oh, that's why they get $50 yeah. million. Dollars. Yeah. And the TV contracts. and mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like the NFL, you look at the NFL and there's, there's like five, six TV partners. Yeah. Right. You know, they're, on, they're actually on Amazon on Thursday nights, you know, yeah. in, in addition to whoever the the main TV linear partner right. is, and then the Sunday night game, and the Monday night game. There's and, football like five days a yeah. week now. <laughs> uh, and I think that's the big thing for volleyball has been the big challenge is not only um, exposure, but accessibility. Right. You know, you, the, the kid's not at home watching every week. You know, right. you, you just, there's, it's hard to keep up, you know, and that's what's awesome about the streaming and where we're at now you can kind of watch like all the car. You watch what you want to watch when yeah. you want to watch it. And I think that's the best feedback that we get from with Amazon is like, I feel like I'm at the event. Like if you're not there, you can kind of still feel like yeah. you're a part of it because mm-hmm. they're on air for what, 10, so 10 hours. <laughs> Kevin Barnett and Cameron yeah. Irwin are heroes for being on yeah. the air for that it's long. Brutal. Yeah. It's yeah. so it's crazy. crazy. It's, a, it's more a, draining than playing. Yeah. When I was doing it for a little while, just spouting yeah, and, and off got, what I was like, doing. They talk about the same sport, you know, different yeah. matches, but yeah. shoot, people are like, man, Kevin, he said that same thing like three times. Like, Did I mention that we're at the Manhattan Beach yeah. Pier and yeah. Yeah. sponsored by, uh, you know? They're awesome. They, uh, they work hard, and it's been so cool working with them this last year, and um, we just have a blast. It seems like you know. It's just it's fun. It's it's a great way to showcase the athlete as well that they can come up. You know, you've came up numerous times, and it's great for your sponsors. It's great for basically everybody involved, which is it's a win win all the way around for sure. For sure. I just I I wish we had more more events. You know, we'd love to. I think we're at eight this year again, and we're at great spots and. I like that they're not just going anywhere. Every place is very calculated and thought out and basically the top media markets in the United States. And so I know Donald's being very careful adding on and not doing it just to add on. Mm-hmm. Right. So. And I love that he, like, when you look at the stops, like, every year it just gets bigger and bigger at each yeah. place because he's established, like, the fan base, that people know what weekend to come out. And, like, the VIP tickets for Austin sell out in, like, 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And, I mean, every place is just getting bigger and bigger, too. So I think, like, when he adds a stop, maybe it'll just be one. And we'll just go to that spot for two years so that place is established and then yeah. another one. Yeah. It's smart. I like it. I, I like, like I, I wish Sam Fran would come back. I like that spot. That, Sam Fran that was, was kind of cool. The, the problem is the, the date that we had was overshot every year. So ah. all the top teams are gone, gone like, yeah. no matter what. 
Yeah, that's a and that's a big issue too. Mm-hmm. It's tough to have tournaments when you're not having your top guys yeah. there. It's mm-hmm. you know, it's like running a Wimbledon with no Federer and right. Nadal or Djokovic. It's just it's a tough sell, and I, I know that's a a big issue, but. There's so many tournaments internationally, and yeah, it's so yeah. hard to juggle, and sometimes they're not as cooperative. And so, yeah, we have you, that conversation a lot on yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that would, you know, that like if there were a united player front, which has always been a challenge, then you, you know, the players would have more leverage to, hey, we got to work this schedule out. If there's four entities putting on events, here's the deal. Yeah. Rather than it's kind of the reverse. Mm-hmm. It's like we're just, as players, you're just kind of waiting to see how many opportunities there are. Right. So um, it gets tricky. It's yeah. A, it's a tricky, sure. tricky deal. A lot more complicated than a lot of fans would yeah. recognize. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you mentioned, uh, we talked about the Beach Major Series and how big they were. What was like the equivalent of the Major Series when you were kind of peaking around that, you know, the early 2000s? Well, I mean, obviously Klagenfurt, which was Hannes' event, yeah. which he... Did it start around that time? Um, my first year, Eric and I went there in 1998, mm-hmm. and I remember we got second to Brazil, and that's when it kind of just started. There was, like, regular bleachers, yeah. and and it was funny. Every year, it just got better and better, and bigger and bigger in the VIP, and it just that whole formula really works in Austria. Right. And people would fly in from Vienna and everybody was there. They didn't even know volleyball, but they'd be there and the, yeah. you know watching it on the big screen and the VIP. Still and, to this day. Yeah, and the people that spend the night. And the cool thing is Hannes has always left a certain section for free, like whether it's through lottery, but right. you see people camping out and... And so they've never been priced out, you know, because that was a a unique event where he could have just locked it down and probably made millions in revenue from just tickets. Yeah. And so it was that event that was by far the thing. And then to have the guy who created that event try to replicate it and expand it, I think where he came into some different problems were... You can't run that same type of an event in the United States. Um, it, it, it's like the VIP, for instance. So awesome, but the clientele, you got to match up with your clientele. Right. Yeah. Like you go into a beach volleyball, you, you, know, you want to have some beers and maybe some burgers and mm-hmm. some hot dogs. Like you're, you're not, not looking for caviar. And like <laughs> why, but maybe, you some know. Some people do. I some guess, people do. Memory. It's just I don't know if right. we have the numbers Right. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. I like it. I mean, yeah. it's kind of like swinging for the fence. It feels yeah, amazing right? as a player, too. When oh, you have, yeah. Like, the player part. Yeah. You, or you, you know, you have access to VIP and whatnot, and you're yeah. like, wow, like, this is the real deal. Yeah. Like, you're getting the top sirloin and the true. lava yeah. cake and all this. On the international level, that's one thing I always said. We'd clog in for before a lot of people even knew what it was. It's mm-hmm. like that was the one international event where you felt like, a professional athlete like you got yeah. in the airport there's 20 shuttles waiting where are you going oh you're going jump in you're at the hotel yeah totally you walk out of the hotel there would be shuttles taking you to the event food i mean just were you were covered yeah. you just had to show up and play and um to answer your question that was the big one yeah um of course Everything was newer back then because 96 was the first year that beach volleyball was in the Olympics in right. Atlanta where Karchin Kent won, and it was pretty cool, Whitmarsh and Dodd getting second. So the first Olympics, we go 1-2 right. uh, on that men's side. And then for Eric and us to pull it off in Sydney was really crazy because we were the ninth seed going in. Right. And that shocked a lot of people. And that to this day, probably one of the, if not the biggest upsets in terms of For what sure, was on the line right. yeah. um, in history. Because we had played Zamarco and Ricardo four previous times that year and lost every single time. Oh, wow. Tough to beat a team but, five times yeah. in a row. <laughs> yeah. But they were, I'm sure, feeling pretty confident going in. Right. And But, you know, we just studied so much. And every time we lost, it was a couple points. And you know how it is where you're just thinking if I can clean up my game just a little bit yeah I'm right in the mix and that's what happened and And it was pressure almost builds for them each time yeah it's true it's true 
It's very true. And, um, and then, I mean, we just had, we've had so much success in the Olympics, beach volleyball has. Yeah. You know, for Todd and Phil um, to do it in 2008, and mm-hmm. then, of course, Misty and Kerry winning three in a row, and then yeah. Kerry winning the bronze with April, what a feat that was. And yeah. it, it looks like Kerry's going to make the Olympics again. She's in a I good mean, spot. Yeah, yeah, she's in the driver's seat, yeah. for sure. It's hers to lose at this point. She's yeah. positioned herself. I think she, she approached it with a plan. She's put herself in position, and now you have less experienced players kind of chasing her. Right. She's, I think this would be her sixth yeah. Olympic Games because yeah. she played indoor in 2000. <laughs> she's in good she's position, yeah. and she's, she has all that experience, like 100 yeah. times more experience yeah. than anyone. She's also in the second position. Yeah. So it's like... It's huge, and and I always tell people that don't know the sport, the beach volleyball is an experienced sport. You rarely see anyone come out of the gate and kill it at 20 years old. Right. You know, like uh, Ken Steffes would be probably the example of a guy who came out pretty early and was yeah. dominating pretty young. Uh, but I would say, and you might have different numbers, try 28 to 35 are probably your peak years, yeah. something like that. Do you think it's... Um we're starting to see players peaking earlier on the international stage because you look at you know a lot of guys that Brazil's throwing out there like Alvaro's pretty young and then obviously Anders and Christian you know mm-hmm. twenty two and yeah. Alvaro's probably what twenty six I think so and then but in the U S everyone peaks does have a tendency to peak later yeah well I think people are training younger internationally and I think the focus is like we're going to play beach right away and I think over the years most Americans and I don't know about your experience but I was I loved beach I used to spend the night down in Laguna Beach to watch the Jose Cuervo you know it was the AVP event and you guys like Sinjin and Randy would walk on the court and Dodd and Hovland and Akatubby and Fro and these guys were like gods you know you're just you're just so pumped up and I was always told, okay, if you want to be a pro, go for it, but go get your education if you can. Right. And so I was always pushed to keep an indoor so that I could get a scholarship because yeah. there's no men's beach and there hasn't been women's beach on the collegiate level mm-hmm. until 2016, officially on the NCAA. So I think most players, including yourself, you know, mm-hmm. you got that degree yep. and learned a lot as well. I was under Coach Marv Dunphy at Pepperdine, and I learned Legends. a ton that was I could transfer into playing on my own. But I think most most players are college graduates, I would say, yeah. in the United States, mm-hmm. and that may that may delay some of our development right. on the beach. Because imagine if you just dropped everything and you were sure. 15 right. and you're just like, I'm not going to school. I'm just going to go down the beach yeah. every day. Yeah. Like if Miles Partain just didn't decide not to go to UCLA. Yeah, just start <laughs> you know, going hard and that was your only deal. Um, I think I could have made the tour earlier. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, at least like during the time I was in college, maybe by the time mm-hmm. I was... Make the tour meaning like main draws like consistently right. like yeah. maybe like nineteen twenty around there like I was playing yeah. pretty high level volleyball in high school but like it wasn't even we just played for fun and we had these really high level local tournaments because we had so many good players but yeah right. it wasn't even an option yeah so like, oh, you yeah. were just gonna you were gonna finish the school thing and then do it. I, I didn't even think about it I didn't yeah. even think about it as an option right I was just like yeah you that's what you do. You yeah. go and play college volleyball if you're yeah. good at it, yeah. indoors. And I think that, like, Molensorm from Norway, going to the, the volleyball academy that they, they went to and yeah. living and eating and breathing volleyball, beach volleyball. And, and they and, also grew up in the YouTube era. So mm-hmm, now they're mm-hmm. watching all the volleyball that's happening over the world. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, for me as a kid, and way less for you probably, it was like once in a while, once mm. every weekend during the summer, right. you got to catch that one match that was on the finals. Or yeah, something, you know? it's true. It's so true. And I think if you go all in, you'll see the players developing earlier. Yeah. Like we're seeing with those two from Norway who are pretty incredible what they've done over the last couple of years. Yeah. And, and they are so young. Yeah. So 
is it an anomaly or is this the new norm? Is mm-hmm. I guess is the question. But right. the cool thing about the sport is obviously like your former partner John Hyden is proving you can play it for a very long time <laughs> right. and experience trumps sheer physicality um, usually but uh, the international game and you would probably attest to it it's getting so physical Mm -hmm. it's pretty incredible the level that it's being played at and um, you know just watching you guys in in the uh, world championships in Mm -hmm. in Hamburg because I was calling that was it's you're almost in awe just like some of the stuff that's being done and um it's cool to see, but the level, it's like you look back on indoor and you probably started looking back. For me, it's a lot longer, but I, we were not playing the type of volleyball that right. is being played now right. in the indoor it's game. So it's a different game. Yeah. You know, you don't have five hitters. We didn't have five hitters, right. you know, right. two yeah. flying out of the back row. And sometimes the back row attacks more effective mm-hmm. than the front row. Yeah. They're so big and jumping yeah. so high, yeah. And I'm always amazed at middle blockers, how good they are at reading. Mm-hmm. So you put me in the middle and I'm looking, you know, yeah. like a fool. I'm going that Five way options. and the ball's being yeah, imagine that. shot. Yeah, I, I just... So I think the beach game is kind of getting that way as well, but not at quite the rate, right, at, yeah. you know, of, of in, indoor. But I think people are running more tempo, mm-hmm. more kind of flares out and moving around and... Um, it's fun. I'm trying to think of one team that really is it Poland. Poland was the yeah, first team to, to really, yeah, to really like do it consistently. Yeah, yeah. they got um, Enrico Rossi and Adrian Carambula have like turned it into like an art form. Really? Yeah, Adrian, they get crazy. So it's it's pushing the limits, mm-hmm. and that type of play hasn't been consistent enough mm-hmm. yet. It's almost. It's, I, I can't say it's a novelty. It's successful at times, and then it's not. It'd be interesting to see the top team yeah. in the world running those kind of crazy sometimes plays. Right. It's so complicated, you're, like, getting yourself into trouble. Yeah, sometimes and, it works against you. And at the highest level, like, there's so much on the line that it's, like, how much am I willing to, like, yeah. try? Yeah, You know, that's why I think, that's why teams have been kind of scared to do it. Like, because oh. if you do it at the wrong time or if you do a shoot, yeah, and that thing hangs up there too long, and you're you already jumped. You look like an idiot, and you yeah. just ruined probably a free ball that you ran it on. I'm so amazed at the the communication or the lack thereof, <laughs> and yeah. the running plays like because mm-hmm. Woshak and Cantor. Uh, Cantor, you didn't really see any communication. <laughs> right. Yeah, they, it was like all the way to the pin, thirty feet. Yeah, you know, back shoots and then fake. Yeah. Yeah. Shoot to quicks. That's when Ryan so I wonder Ryan what their... Like, they didn't say a word. He's like, crazy. I have no idea how they do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I played in uh, World University Games in Kazan, Russia, 2011, I think. Something like that. And those guys were partners at that time. Mm-hmm. And I had heard that they were like the youth world champions or whatever. So they were like the big dogs together as a team back then. And now it's 2020. And like, those guys have been playing together. Longer than so most they just yeah anyone yeah. ever plays together, and so yeah I'm sure that has something to do with it. Yeah. It's funny that on the road, you'll see the uh, there's two Polish teams usually, and the partners will switch up. Like one partner will go with the other <laughs> team, and the other partner like they won't hang out together yeah. too much. Uh, They've probably just spent way too much time <laughs> <yeah>. together. <laughs> and that's true internationally. I remember, just like. Getting your own room yeah. apart from uh, your partner, you know, away from mm-hmm. your partner was a nice little break. Totally, yeah. yeah. Just so you could have, you know, your own space because you're spending more time with your partner than, like, your spouse, your, you know, your wife or your girlfriend or whatever. And it, it's definitely you a challenge. You get sick of seeing yeah. your dirty yeah. underwear uh, <laughs> yeah. or yeah. Bo- wet, sweaty board charts yeah. in your shower. Right. <laughs> So true. <laughs> How was it uh, traveling with Fanoi? Because you guys had such a good run for a, a pretty long time. Um, it was until, awesome. Until the rules changed and kind of forced your hand, probably. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It was funny in, in hindsight because it didn't have a lot of success in 2004, yet I made the, the squad. Um, it would have been cool to try to defend our medal together right. you know if i could go back and, and switch that you know based on how poorly the performance was in 04 right. 
But Eric is awesome, you know. I mean, Eric and I are good friends, and we got along really well. So traveling and being on the road was really easy. Mm-hmm. But you always needed the, a break here and there. That's right. what I was talking about. Yeah. But um, we had a lot of fun. You know, we kind of have a similar sense of humor, and and just it was it was kind of a new frontier in a sense, you, you know, because everybody's doing what we were doing. Like even Karch and Kent didn't have to do what we did in terms of qu- traveling the world to qualify. Right. If right. you remember in 96, like it was going to be, I think we had a trials almost. We had a trials. Yeah, we did have a trial in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And that determined the AVP teams. And then Sinjin got in through the FIVB. Right. So after that year, there was no trial it was get out on the road i think it was your top eight right um which is now is your top 12 is that accurate um yeah your best 12 now so it was your best eight you can play in 20 tournaments but it was going to be your best best eight eight. right and so it was cool being part of that almost pioneers and of just going out on the road and trying to qualify for the olympics and like i said it came down to Belgium, which was about 45 days prior to the Olympics, the last qualification event. Okay. And we needed to get a fourth place or better. We were trailing behind Karch Karai and Adam Johnson. And that weekend, Karch actually dislocated his shoulder. Oh, man. And it was fascinating because regardless of that, we still needed a top four. Right. And we were in, you know, when you get stuck in that same seating kind of where you're playing the same yeah, damn team yeah, yeah. every time. And the same team we would play every time was Emmanuel and Jose. Oh, in, in the Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and we knew if we were going to make the Olympics, we had to go through those guys. And we ended up beating them, getting to, we finished in third place. And wow, I mean, that was such a thrill. We ended up playing Carl Hankel and Sinjin Smith to get, to the top four to basically okay. punch, wow. punch our ticket, right? Yeah, you had to earn it. And so we're playing. Here's the interesting thing. And, you know, Sinjin and Karch have had their battles over right. the years. So we're in a position, right? If we lose, Karch and Adam are in the Olympics. Yeah. Yet Karch probably won't be able to play because of the shoulder, right? Because right? yeah. right? of the shoulder. So Adam, you have to play with someone else who's qualified. So we're thinking maybe Sinjin wants us to win, you know, because right. his rivalry with, you know, Karch. Yeah. And then, but the other hand, Carl is thinking if Karch and Adam qualify and Karch can't play, and Carl can Adam play. will play with Carl. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I think that was what was going to happen. So we get out there to, and we pick, we won the co- coin toss, we pick the good side. Carl comes out just bombing serves. Uh-huh. They go up five to zero on the bad side. Oh. <laughs> on the bad side, one game to 15. Oh, man. I mean, he's just oh, pinging lines. He comes out like, uh, it's like Superman, yeah. you know, and. Carl's like that guy. Carl could, you know, play some crazy volleyball at times. Yeah. Like one of the best matches in history is uh, Sinjin, yeah, yeah, Sinjin and Carl, uh, yeah, against Kent awesome. and Karch in '96, mm-hmm. and just an incredible player. He comes out bombing. Five zero, we go down. Then we get a couple, so it's eight uh, two. We, you know, going to the good side, mm-hmm. and then we got all five. Uh, they were up eight seven. We ended up winning, I think, fifteen eleven. In, okay. in, in the end, and um, but you know we're thinking like oh maybe maybe Sinjin won't go as hard, right. and then Carl <laughs> over here is like Superman, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was crazy, and but winning that kind of really took a a load off our shoulders because yeah. there was pressure that whole time, and then once we got in, it was you know a lot of people were like you know. Karch should probably go because he won the gold in 96. Right. He's, you know, he's I mean, come on, he's Karch. He won right. 84, yep. 88 indoor, 96 on the beat. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people like, no, oh, they're playing better. They should, they, you know. and so that kind of put a, probably a chip on our shoulder. Like, you want, right. it's, it's always, you know how it is when you're playing with something to prove. Yeah. And 
people doubt you and you don't have a shot and yeah. you know and I remember even going down to the Olympics you know people were like yeah you know take a lot of pictures have fun you know what I mean <laughs> <laughs> and you're like oh, I see what you're saying you know what I mean yeah. and so we went down there and we really enjoyed it Eric and I like I said similar personalities we said let's like immerse ourselves in this experience. We're going to opening ceremonies, even if we're playing at eight o'clock the right. next morning, mm-hmm. we're staying in the village. We're going to just take it all in. Yeah. And we, uh, stayed in the village. It was awesome. Sydney was prepared so far in advance. They were just so fired up to have it. And so many people, volunteers driving you around that had, mm-hmm. had saved up their two weeks vacation to volunteer yeah. that year. Like they were right. just so into it and the hospitality. Yeah. It was yeah, just yeah. so awesome just to, for the chance to drive athletes around. Yeah. And there was just a ton of volunteers and the village was about 40 minutes away from the venue. But, you know, we really used that 40 minutes driving on the bus or whatever to kind of get in the right mindset. Totally, yeah. So we used it really to our advantage yeah. rather than if you're right there sometimes. And you're not going to have a quiet second. Yeah, you jump onto the, the, you get on the beach, you start the routine and the, mm-hmm. everything starts rolling. So I think we used that time to our advantage. And um, Bondi Beach was just incredible, like historic beach that's where the lifeguard was created i'm told and yeah it's it's really really a cool spot it reminded me of laguna my hometown mm-hmm. um but that was an incredible experience and okay. we stayed as as long as we could and once we won we were kind of advised to get back and do as much media and really enjoy because there's so many successful american athletes right. It's, right. it's not like a country where you're the only one that won gold it's yeah. like there's a right. hundred gold medalists That's coming wild, home yeah. usually yeah well i feel like you guys might have been one of the rare american athletes to win gold that w- might not have been expected to win a gold so that was probably yeah. an interesting role to, because you said people were like oh just take some pictures yeah like, yeah, have yeah, fun. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy it and you want to right because just making the olympics is such a huge oh, yeah. a- accomplishment <laughs> and then you know, as each went, each round goes by and you get a little closer because our whole goal, Eric and I would always say, let's bring home some jewelry, you know, like we didn't care. Let's bring home a medal, Yeah. you know, bronze, silver, gold, everyone, you want to win gold, but right. it's, you know, if you can focus one point at a time and one match at a time, and I think that's what we're able to do. And it's kind of cliche, you hear it a lot, but to actually do it where you're like, Next point, next point. Right. And if you watch, and I don't know if you've ever seen the winning point where Eric gets, stuffs the ball and he turns around and, and he tackles me, basically, I'm almost in shock because I'm so locked in to, like, we got another point. Yeah, we got to surf. We got, yeah, <laughs> we're like, wait, let me check the scoreboard. Yeah. And, and, you <laughs> I know, think we won, but you sure? Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, you, you talk about it a lot, and I think that was the one time really I – Definitely during my career, right? I can. I was so locked in at this next year. We weren't looking at the bracket, like right. who do we play if we win? This? There was no if. It was like, all right, here's right. the team. And I had a buddy from college, Greg Vernovich, who was coaching us, and he would cut tape. And back then, he was you know doing VHS to VHS. Yeah, yeah. Didn't have the whole digital thing, but we would watch. You know, like a five-minute video of to learn tendencies. Mm-hmm. Oh, when the guy does this, he goes here. And I think we knew a lot of tendencies that the player themselves didn't know. Right. They did. And it just, every every point is so valuable. And you know what I tell the, the, the players that I'm coaching now is like, you don't know when that play is going to happen that is going to change the entire match. Right. Mm-hmm. That it's going to result in a four-point run mm-hmm. in your favor. Yeah. And if you don't go, it could result in a four-point run the other yeah. way. And so that's what you just got to bust your ass on every every play. Yeah. And good things happen. Yeah. Right. So. When you, um, when you and Eric got that, when you beat Sinjin and, and Carl, did you know in the moment that you had qualified for the Olympics? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, we knew we, like, we got to be in the top four right. in this final event. Yeah. And, and going into the event, you're thinking to yourself, like, two years and we couldn't figure it out. Like, right. it comes down to right. this. Yeah. And it's, like, almost frustrating. But at the same time, it's like, here we go. You got to go. Yeah. And it was one point in time. And, like, going through the Brazilians was 
was huge. Yeah. And then um, we still, you couldn't let down. Like getting yeah. through Brazil didn't get us qualified. We were still now at like fifth. Right. And if you win that one, next one, you're in the crossover, which all you had to do is be one the, of the best players of all time. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah. see>? <laughs> and it, you know, it's crazy because Sinjin was one of my favorite players, or has always been. But when I was a kid, I remember getting his hat because uh, we would spend the night at the beach, be in the front row, and and uh, be as close as you could with the players. And it was just a different time. There was no grandstands. Right. Yeah. You've seen some of oh, the yeah. photos. Yep. Yeah. It just goes, you know. 30 rows deep but just people yeah Yeah. and you never think as a kid that you're gonna play against those like when you watch the NBA nowadays and someone starts playing and they're like well this person was born when LeBron was 17 right you know you just don't realize the gap gets closer and closer right and so to play against like Randy Stoklos and Sinjin Smith was when you're a kid you don't even think that's a possibility right and so I always loved playing those great players and playing against Karch was always awesome because such a such a sportsman mm-hmm. but you were always gonna he was gonna try to beat you no matter what, right? right? Like he was one of the gnarliest competitors. And so I think all the matches that I played against him it raised my game. It, it kinda showed you what you could push your level to. Yeah. And um it was it was pretty cool, you know, and it's such a fun sport and it's kind of been up and down the the whole yeah. behind the scenes of it but mm-hmm. ultimately it comes down to the the players and and kind of the the history that is built the fabric of the sport because everybody's got the stories and like mm-hmm. right now yeah. try you're like you're in the heat of it you're living I'm it i'm like relating to like everything you're saying yeah <laughs> you're you're living it right now I got and the jake and phil and nick and yeah. them that that I grew mm-hmm. up watching. Uh-huh. Wow, now I, I got to go beat him and yeah. try to get this spot. And we're all right there. Like, it could easily come down to Rome. We got, like, yeah. seven events. And yeah. Rome's the biggest points. So it could come down to that where it's, like... Just one five-star. If they get this, then they get this. And, yeah. you know... Do you know how many five-stars there are for the... Before. Just one. One. In Rome. It's Rome. Oh. And the cutoff's the 15th. Rome ends on the 14th. <laughs> So Rome is going. Rome is your Belgium, yes. uh, for me. It could be, hopefully, <laughs> it could be. Yeah. Hopefully. or hopefully we're sitting pretty. Young. Yep. Yeah, and the other boys are battling it out. Have fun, fellas. Yeah, yeah that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. It's well, I'm excited to experience that. Hopefully so the exact it's same wide way. open right now, or we're we're pretty close. We're all all. I, mean, I think Jake and Taylor are in the lead now with that four star win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really just got to look at averages. Right, and right. Phil and Nick have a little higher average than us. But, I mean, it all comes down to, like, we're all within, like, 40 points or something like that. Got it. And that's out of, like, averages of, like, 500-something. Right? Yeah. He probably knows. Yeah. yeah. They're, if, you, if you, like, <laughs> take their... So Phil and Nick only have 10 events. But if you were to add their average finish to the next two, like, uh-huh. they're, like, 20 points from Try and Trev who are, like, 40 points behind. Got it, got it, got it. So theirs is like, it's just a three-horse race. For the Does anyone even like, have 12? 40 points is, is one finish. They do, and Jake and Taylor just got their 12th. Yeah. Oh, okay. So just trying to like 14, got maybe. It. So they're just dropping now. Got yeah. it, got it, got yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And you'll have those weekends where you'll finish like what your worst is and it doesn't help you right yeah like, yeah, yeah those are the words you want <laughs> don't have any of those weekends <laughs> you're like i could have not shown up and i'd be in a better yeah. you know i should just skip this and rest exactly so yeah. don't let that happen yeah yeah i know we're, we're running short on time we want to make sure we get you out of here uh when you need to go one thing that i was just so curious about was because you were kind of starting to come up at such an interesting time in retrospect probably pretty scary for you when the avp was just in such flux in this late 90s and then the world tour was only like it was kind of a baby when you really started to come up so what was it like as a player were you ever like you know the avp's changed ownership three times in four years the fiv's kind of a thing but not really yeah it was yeah it was challenging late 90s were a lot of turbulence in in the sport um early 90s things were flourishing you still had um, Miller Light was still involved, and they kind of used it as a, a marketing 
arm. The the tour was yeah. like it was the Miller Lite AVP tour for so many years. And I think for many years, at the end of the year, there would be a loss, but Miller would just write a check. Yeah. And that was the kind of the way it went. And then, you know, the debt just kind of kept growing, and a new owner would come on, but they wouldn't really look at the debt and say that that was the last person's yeah. debt, but right. it's the same company. So, <laughs> you know, you can't ignore it. And it kind of came to a head, like you said, in the, the late nineties. Um, as a player, you're thinking, you know, I just want to play. And I got the tail end of some really, the good stuff. Like, um, gosh, at the time I remember playing in the King of the beach and I got a, second to David Swadek, I think he'd won and you know I made 25 or 30 grand in just that <laughs> tournament alone you know when Canyon and I won in 1997 in Hermosa we split 60,000 and so at the time we were thinking like it's crazy to be now 22 years later and that still being like people are like whoa that's a big purse yeah. whereas we thought like at that point we're like Oh man, we're gonna have five hundred thousand. We're gonna have five hundred thousand dollar tournaments, right? Or yeah. million dollar tournaments if we're already at, right? You know, oh, splitting totally, sixty, yeah. and that it hasn't gone there has been tough. But you know, you're thinking like, if it's this now, what's it gonna be in twenty years? And it's inflation, yeah, yeah. And so, but I remember winning that and. You're like, oh my god! You win like thirty grand, but I think like fifty bucks was taken out for entry fee or something. So <laughs> it was like twenty nine and change. But you were just like, wow, this is so big. But yeah, you're right. A lot of turbulence at the time, but you just play. You know, you play because you love the game, and right. you try to do what you can off the court to from the pol- political side. And you probably experience it. And now you're always. Trying to get the most for the players, you're trying to get the most for the tour, but if you get too caught up in it, you're, you become just this advocate, right. whereas your performance on the court speaks louder than anything. Right. Yeah. Like, if you're a baller, people are going to be like, hey, you know, they want to talk to the top five player that wants to make change, not the player who might be ranked 25. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it, it's one of those situations, the reality of it, you carry more weight the more success you have. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, look at Misty and Carrie. Like, you ask people to name two women's volleyball players. Before Misty and Carrie, people would name Gabby Reese because of mm-hmm. her, you know, her success, not only playing, but the four-person tour and her modeling and yeah. her personality, and it was like this whole package. Right. And then I think Misty and Carrie kind of transcended the sport because they got so big that they were able to infiltrate fields that traditionally beach volleyball players don't right. go to. Yeah. And by doing so, they, they created a bigger voice for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they when people talk, like that people listen more you know um so the biggest thing is to be successful and to push and be as relevant as you can and i think you have a bigger voice and can make more change Mm -hmm, i mm -hmm. guess yeah for sure and uh so at usc how can our Mm -hmm. listeners kind of follow along yeah uh the usc team this season well on instagram it's usc beach and we keep that pretty active and moving the I believe the schedule's up. If you just type in USC Beach Volleyball, you're gonna go to the roster, find out you know not only the coaching staff but the players, and um, we'll start playing in late February. We'll have an alumni match, which is really cool because we have some spectacular yeah, alumni. alumni. So actually, that reminds me, I got to reach out you know to April Ross and to Sarah Hughes and to Kessie. yeah Kelly Clay's <laughs> Kessie Kessie was just um, honored at a legends match that the men's volleyball program puts oh, together wow. and we kind of mm-hmm. work with them on that so yeah just so many you know I'm leaving out a million people mm-hmm. um but such a great alumni yeah and so we'll kick that off and just the support's been great, and it's so fun. The format's so cool at the collegiate level, just yeah, having the five teams. And it's it's so much drama, yeah. and and the fact that the five team is no no less important than the number one team. Yeah. And so it's just being That's one of those starting teams is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. No one's going to ask you what position you played at at 
the end right, of the yeah, day. It's totally. just, you know, how'd you do, you know? Yeah. And, just and that so, ring right there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it says it all. So, yeah, it's been a good run as an assistant, you know, winning three out of four years that I was there. Um, but there's nothing like being a head coach. It's a whole different animal. Yeah. And yeah. we're just trying to take it one step at a time and, and just really blessed to be in the position I am to, to uh, you know, talking about having the, the, the coaching job, having the AVP and Amazon deal and um, getting the opportunity. I'm actually going to be the sideline reporter for NBC in Tokyo. Oh, which awesome. is uh, Thanks. Congrats. I appreciate it. So, you know, I'm, like I said, really thankful for, for everything. But I try to put in a lot of hard work, and hopefully it pays off. And, you know, hopefully I can be maybe that example that the great players were to me when I was a kid. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Dan, thank you tons for coming yeah. on. We know you're crazy busy. Uh, so we always have time. Appreciate you. I'm glad I got the uh, invite. I know it's after you guys went triple digits on episodes, but I mean, I'll take it. I'll take it. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks, man.